something that really suits me. Okay, it makes me look nicer. It brings out the colors in my eyes. However, <laughs> there are some colors that do not suit me at all. I will start with orange. Do not put me anywhere near anything orange. It can be a burnt orange. It can be a rusty orange, but not an EasyJet orange. Like nothing's happening with that. <laughs> I look terrible in bright orange, which is ridiculous because bright orange suits loads of people. Like my friend the other day, she came in wearing a bright orange dress. On most people, it would look disgusting, but on her, it suits her. I don't know why. I generally suit kind of dark colors, you know, blacks and grays and whites. But I'm trying to wear more colors, trying to mix it up a little bit. Because if I'm always wearing black, I feel like it looks like I'm going to a funeral and I'm going to class. I feel like it makes me look more serious as well if I'm wearing all black. Sometimes I just like to add a little pop of color. To add a pop of color is to add a little bit of color. Okay. So recap: if something suits someone or something, it is right for that person, thing, or situation. Or it makes that person or thing look more attractive. So coming back to the quiz question, your name suits you because it's right for that person. It's nothing to do with size. It's nothing to do with shape. So we know that it's not fit. Okay, it suits. Okay, your name suits you. As I was saying yesterday, everyone's name suits them because it's what they're used to. It'd be a bit weird if suddenly. You got called something else, and we don't use fit when we mean something that is right for a person or thing or situation. For example, here's an incorrect sentence: This restaurant, this restaurant fits people who like simple food. Uh-uh. It's not fit. We're not talking about size or shape. We're talking about something that is right for those types of people, so we want to use suit. This restaurant suits people who like simple food. What a boring sentence! <laughs> And remember, a suit. Okay, if we're talking about the noun, is a、um, formal clothes that you would wear, and it's not just for men. Okay, women and men can wear suits. Okay, obviously, most more commonly, men are known for wearing suits, but women can wear suits too. Think back to the power suits in the eighties. Do you remember those? Even I remember those, and I wasn't even born in the eighties, but I know what they are. Oh, were they called power suits? And they had the big shoulder pads. I think actually, power suit is just kind of a general term for like a very formal suit that you wear that looks like you're going to take on the world. Yeah, I think suits are really nice. I don't have to wear one at work. I have to be smart casual.、Um, I've never actually worn a suit to work ever, ever. I've never been required to wear one. But I know for men, it's. I think it's more difficult for men when it comes to clothing. And what they have to wear, they have way less options. <laughs> way less options. So, before the break, 
if you have anything to talk about in the second half, because coming up, I'm going to be talking about your doubts, your questions about a couple of structures and a couple of phrasal verbs. If you want to send me something during the break, you can, and I will try and get through them all and read them out. So find me at I'm Anna Connolly, click on my story and send me a little message, and I'm going to read them out in the second half, okay? So don't go anywhere. Don't miss the comments because I might be reading your one out. See you in a couple of minutes. seas. Si quieres aprender inglés, tenemos el curso de inmersión en España para ti. ¿Te gustaría vivir situaciones reales en inglés sin profesores? ¿O prefieres convivir con profesores Baugan y recibir clases? Seas como seas, llámanos al 91-133-5833 y te informaremos sobre el curso de inmersión que mejor se adapte a ti. Un futuro repleto de oportunidades. Un futuro con el máster en inglés profesional de Bauga. Y ahora si lo contratas antes del 31 de diciembre, tienes un precio reducido. Y todo un año de curso online 4.0. Y además formación telefónica. El máster más completo, exigente, eficaz y con la garantía del líder en formación con más de 40 años de experiencia. Llama ahora al 911-335833. 1-3-3-5-8-3-3 Disney English Baugan es un curso de inglés para niños entre 4 y 9 años donde combinamos el método Baugan con la magia de Disney Si tenéis hijos entre 4 y 9 años les esperamos en todos los centros Baugan Puedes consultarnos en grupobaugan.com Y no te olvides que la formación continúa con el Club Junior y todas las ofertas de formación de la línea Junior de Baugan ¿Los trabajadores de tu empresa tienen un problema con el inglés y no tienen tiempo de ir a clase? Te mandamos un profesor Baugan a tu empresa. Un profesor Baugan que se desplaza para dar clase a tus empleados con horario totalmente flexible. O si lo prefieres, te damos las clases por teléfono o videoconferencia, adaptado a vuestras necesidades. No hay excusa. Estén donde estén, los trabajadores de tu empresa pueden aprender inglés con Baugan. Llama al 91-133-5831 y te daremos más información. 91-133-5831. 
Cursos trimestrales de Baugan, un curso a su medida con los mejores profesores y el método más eficaz. Clases de seis alumnos como máximo durante tres meses en un horario totalmente flexible a elegir entre una y dos clases semanales. Pues suena muy bien. La verdad es que sí. A ver, a ver. Específicamente diseñado para alumnos que necesitan resultados pero no pueden comprometer su agenda a largo plazo y que solo disponen de uno o dos días semanales para dedicarle a su inglés. ¿Y eres tú? Pues me apunto, pero ya. Vas a ver tú dentro de tres meses qué nivelazo. ¿Dónde está el teléfono? 91133. 5833 en tres meses puedes hacer muchas cosas. Puedes ahorrar para irte de viaje a Japón. 55, 56, 57. Alberto, ¿me dejas 23 céntimos para una caña? O también puedes hacer un curso trimestral en Baugan. En solo tres meses verás cómo tu inglés da un importante salto de calidad. Si necesitas mejorar tu inglés sin perder el tiempo, con un método que realmente funciona, hazte con uno de nuestros cursos trimestrales. La matrícula ya está abierta. Infórmate sin compromiso en el 91. 133-5833 o en grupobaugan.com Si siempre te has preguntado ¿A qué casa te asignaría el sombrero seleccionador? Este es tu weekend camp Alejados del mundo mágico Te perderás entre encantamientos, pociones, cuidex y duelos de magia Prepara tu baúlo y te mandaremos una lechuza con los detalles del 28 de febrero al 2 de marzo coge tu varita y escribe un correo a campamentos arroba grupobaugan.com o llama al teléfono mágico 91 700 1199 Back to Anna with two ends for the second half of the show today. So let's crack on. Today I asked you to send me any doubts or questions about grammar or phrasal verbs. So I'm going to start with my first comment. Thank you very much for those of you that sent them in. I'm going to start with a super simple one that's very easy to answer. So, Xander, you asked me why and when should I use have got instead of have. You need to make sure you say instead of, not instead only. Okay, so you can say, for example, I've got a car or I have a car. They mean exactly the same thing. Okay, the meaning is exactly the same. One of them used the verb to have, and one of them is in the present perfect with the verb get. They are exactly the same. They mean the same. Here at Vaughan, we teach our students to use the have version. For example, I have a car because it's easier and it's much more common. Now, you will find that British speakers like me use the have got version more than have. And honestly, I can't tell you there's no time when I use have got or have differently that I have noticed. I use them interchangeably. I use them for some things and not others. I don't know. But essentially, the key take home message here is you can use both. 
whichever one you prefer. Okay? You could say, I have a bottle, I've got a bottle. I have a bag, I've got a bag. I have a problem, I've got a problem. It's more likely that a British person is going to say, I've got a problem. But Xander, you can use either one. Now, obviously, using the verb have is slightly easier because you don't need to worry about the past participle, the present perfect, pronouncing the V sound in I've. So we encourage our students here at Vaughan to practice with the have version. But both are correct. And you should be familiar with both, especially in terms of understanding anyway. Okay, but best to maybe stick one that you like. Pick one you like and stick to it. Lots of picks and sticks. So there you go, Xander. There's no difference, okay, which is great and, and very simple for you to, simple to, simple for me to answer, okay? I definitely use I've got a lot more. Okay, uh, I've got an apple, actually. <laughs> I've got an apple on the table in the studio. I shouldn't say that, actually, because probably uh, Richard Ward's going to shout at me. Uh, I have a, a half-eaten apple on the table in the uh, Vaughan studio at the moment. And I've got my water vo- bottle, okay, with me, too, with a little bit of lemon in it. Okay, because I've been trying a new lemon. I'm in lemon water phase. I'm obsessed with the lemon taste. I don't drink lemon juice in the morning, which is what one of the listeners said that they did every morning. But I do like a little slice of lemon just to give it a little bit of taste. Now, before we move on to another question, I want to talk about another quiz question I gave you based on a synonym of the adjective tiny. So I asked you to select what was the right answer between these three options. Now, I was looking for a synonym of the adjective tiny, okay? And I said... I'm trying to think of the answer. Now, let me get it up. I'm going to have to get it up because one of them... I remember two of them, but not one of them. Where is it? Let me find it here. (laughs) Oh, yes, here we go. A slang way to say something is very small. Option one, teeny tiny. Option two, Tony tiny. (laughs) I do have fun picking these options sometimes. And option three, tiny tiny. What is the correct answer? A slang way to say something is very small. Now... A lot of you went for the wrong answer and this was a little bit of a trick. Okay, I played a little bit of a trick on you and I put in tiny, tiny as one of the options. 91 of you selected tiny, tiny. (laughs) Nope, not tiny, tiny. The correct answer is teeny, tiny. Okay, so that's something that is really small and it's kind of a slang colloquial cute way to say that something is tiny ha trickster okay i knew i knew loads of you were gonna go for tiny tiny i just knew it it sounds very cute but it wasn't that tony tiny doesn't exist however 19 of you selected oh no 14 14 of you selected tony tiny sometimes when i'm thinking about the incorrect options to put on my quiz I'm like, okay, how can I pick a word that is kind of similar and people might think it's right? 
And Tony is just the name of a, uh, it's a guy's name. Actually, my first boss was called Tony. He was really grumpy, actually. <laughs> but really nice. Really nice, but really grumpy. My goodness. Uh, so yeah, I said Tony Tiny. I don't know why I was thinking about my old boss, but there we go. <laughs> yeah, he was a very grumpy guy, actually. Very nice. But he had some very interesting rituals. For example, he would always eat a Mars bar for lunch. Not only a Mars bar, obviously, but he would always eat a Mars bar. And um, what else would he eat? He'd eat a Mars bar or something. But always, always a Mars bar. And coming back to fit and suit that I talked about in the first half and when to use them properly, he would always wear uh, trousers that didn't fit him. So I think he lost a lot of weight, but just didn't buy any new trousers and his trousers didn't fit him. I mean, he could have bought some new trousers. Now he was much thinner that fit him much better. But anyway, there you go. He had some strange habits and rituals, but he was a very nice man. Okay, let's move on. Let's have a look at another question here. Do, do, do. Ah, yes, this is a great one that I wanted to answer. Now, Anna, you sent me a comment. So thank you very much. And you said, hi, Anna, I have a question. Ah, I'm going to correct you. Hi, Anna, I've got a question or I have a question. When you're looking for a job, are you seeking a job or seeking for a job? Well, actually, honestly, you could say I'm seeking a job, but you've actually answered your own question in your question because the phrase that I would use is I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for a job. Like that is what 99% of people will say, if you ask them, um, oh, are you looking for a new job? I say, yeah, um, I'm looking for a new job. I want to move to a different company. I want to move into a different role. So you've answered your own question. I wouldn't use either seeking a job or seeking for a job. Like, no, we, I wouldn't use either of those terms. I would say looking for a job only. Okay, but you could say seeking a job, but it would sound very unnatural, really strange. So looking for a job is absolutely fine. Now, we do call people who are looking for jobs, job seekers. So that's kind of a common term that you might see floating around, uh, job seekers. We have something called a job seekers allowance in the UK, which is like uh, welfare benefits that we give to people who are looking for jobs, okay, or they're in between jobs and you have a job seekers allowance. We call those types of allowances benefits, okay. In the UK, our welfare system, our, our kind of social welfare system, we call that benefits to get or receive benefits, okay. Just so you know that one, because it's slightly different in lots of different countries. They call it different things. But in the UK, if you receive benefits, you receive money from the government. Okay. And an example of that would be your job seekers allowance. So a little bit of a cultural thing, but good question, Anna. Okay. So remember looking for a job. That's absolutely fine. You had it in your question. Okay. I'm going to move on because a couple of people sent me in a couple of phrasal verbs that I wanted to talk about. Um, Luthia, you said, can you talk about go through when you talk about struggles or tough 
times. Absolutely. So to go through something we talk about or we use, for example, you can go through a very difficult time, okay, which means you're experiencing a very difficult situation, okay? So you could say, I'm going through a really hard time at the moment. Maybe you've got a very stressful situation at work. Maybe there's something going on in your personal life. Okay. And you're going through a really hard time. And we also use it in the past tense. You could say, wow, I went through a really difficult period last year, but I'm all good now. Everything's good. Everything's back to normal. You might hear some people say things like, I went through a really difficult patch. A patch. P-A-T-C-H. It basically just means period, time period, really difficult patch. Okay. Or an, a very common co-location is rough patch. Especially when we're talking about things like relationships. Ooh, interesting. Gossips. Gossip, sorry. Gossips is something I picked up because it's a, a phrase that I used in one of my classes with one of my students because I had a girl in there who was always gossiping. <laughs> Well, she wasn't gossiping, but we were always looking for gossip. Anyway, you can use the collocation rough patch to describe a difficult period of time. For example, you could say, uh, me and my boyfriend are going through a really rough patch right now. It means you and your boyfriend or you and your partner, whoever, are going through a difficult time, a rough patch. Okay, imagine the adjective rough is to describe the surface of something when it's not smooth. So it kind of makes sense. A rough patch. Okay. Well, I'm not having a rough patch with anyone. <laughs> Maybe I'm having a rough patch with myself, but that's about it. No rough patches for me. But maybe you're going through a bit of a rough patch. Maybe you're going through a bit of a difficult time. Okay. Now, it's inseparable, that phrasal verb. You can't say go a difficult time through. No, 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 no. And it's transitive, so it must take an object. You can't say, I'm going through. No, I'm going through a difficult time. I'm going through a bad patch. Oh, we also use bad as well with patch. I'm going through a rough patch. I'm going through a difficult period. I'm going through... A messy situation, for example. There's lots of things that you can go through, but we mean it to talk about a negative thing. We don't say, I'm going through the best time of my life. No. If you wanted to be really positive, I would probably say something like, I'm having the time of my life, okay? Or I'm really good at the moment. If you go through something, it's bad, negative, okay? Thank you very much for your um, comment, Lucia. Hope you're all good in the US. Okay, now coming back to my quiz questions. Okay, I, I made some notes on this because I was like, I have to talk about this. When I was talking about on Monday, things you love to do, but other people find boring. Okay. One of my quiz questions was, I love mm, the bed. Okay, that could, <laughs> that could sound very bad, but here are the three options, just so you understand what I'm talking about. Option one, I love making the bed. Option two, I love doing the bed. Option three, 
I love dressing the bed. What is the correct option? Please tell me. The correct option is I love making the bed. Well done. 127 of you got the right answer, but 75 of you said doing and 47 of you said dressing. No. This is the classic question that we use as teachers to try and test you on make and do. Like it's the classic. Okay. Cause we know that a lot of people will make a mistake. So you make the bed. You don't do the bed. And I was saying that I love making the bed, even though most people would find it boring. Now, a basic difference between do and make. Do we tend to use for actions, obligations and repetitive tasks? Okay. Actions, obligations, repetitive tasks. (laughs) Sounds like all the boring stuff, right? (laughs) For example, do the housework, do your homework, do your chores. Okay. Do the laundry, do an exam, do the dishes, do your hair. They're obligations. Some of them are repetitive tasks. Okay. And with make, it's mainly used for things we're creating or producing something. And also actions that you choose to do. Okay. For example, uh, it could be things like plans and decisions. You make a plan. You make a choice. You make a decision. You make arrangements. Okay. These are, they're all things that you decide to do. They're your choice. You also make food and drinks and meals. You can make a cake. I can't remember the last time I made a cake, but. Years, years ago. You can make breakfast. This morning I made breakfast. This morning I had two slices of avocado on toast and a banana. Feeling very good about myself. I love avocado in the morning. Smashed avocado on toast. Give me more. You can make dinner and you can make a cup of coffee. So if you take away one thing today, please take away. You make the bed you don't do the bed. Doing the bed sounds slightly weird. <laughs> it could be, I don't know, it just sounds kind of funny, you know? There's things in English that sound maybe a bit sexual or something. <laughs> you don't do the bed. You make the bed. Next, I'm going to come to a question that a couple of people have asked me, funnily enough. Maybe you're telepathic and you can talk to each other but a couple of you have asked me to talk about structures with wish nacho you asked me to talk about wish and somebody else did as well where have you gone ah yes daniel so daniel nacho you asked me to do to talk about structures with wish so since two of you asked me i feel that i'm compelled to talk about wish okay so let's have a look at some examples So we can talk about wishes in the present or the future. And we do that by saying wish plus that plus the past simple. Okay, so these are things that we would like to be different in the present or the future. For example, I wish I had a big house. I wish I had a big house. I don't have a big house at the moment, but it'd be a really nice idea. Okay, 
I wish that I had a big house. You don't always need to have that. Okay, you can say, I wish I had a big house or I wish that I had a big house. Either are fine. Okay, you could omit that or you can include it, whatever. I wish I didn't need to work today. But I do need to work today, unfortunately. No, I'm joking. That's not true. I I, I do want to work today because I'm meeting my new group, my third new group, and I'm really excited. But I bet a lot of you wish you didn't need to work today. Okay. Do you know what? I wish that I lived closer to my family sometimes. You know, sometimes I'm thinking, you know what? I wish I lived closer to my family so that I could just pop in and see them whenever I want. So I don't live close to them to them now, but it's a really nice idea. I wish past simple. I, I wish that they lived closer. I wish I lived closer, but we don't, unfortunately. I wish that I wasn't, or I wish that I'm not, sorry, blah, blah, blah. I wish I wasn't busy tomorrow, but I am. I've got a jam-packed schedule over the next couple of weeks. Jam-packed means busy, very, very busy. Okay, jam-packed. Another way we can say busy is chocker. Okay, chocker. Chocker is like super busy, back to back. Okay, so I wish that I wasn't busy tomorrow, but I am busy tomorrow. I need to get a good night's sleep so that I'm ready and raring. Oh, okay. So I wish plus the past simple is to talk about wishes in the present or in the future. Now, I'd like to just talk about this structure with wish as well. We use wish with would in kind of an interesting way. And it's generally used to talk about other people who are doing or not doing something that we don't like. Okay. And we want that person to change. Okay. So let me give you some examples and see if you know what I mean. Um, I wish that my sister wouldn't be so selfish. Okay. She's usually selfish and I want her to change her behavior. I wish that my sister wouldn't be so selfish. I wish that my grandma wouldn't smoke so much. Right? She does smoke a lot, but I'd like her to change my behavior. Uh, her, my behavior, her behavior. I wish that my grandma wouldn't smoke so much. FYI, my, my grandma doesn't actually smoke. Well, she does, but she's cut down a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. So that's fantastic. And actually, I met a student yesterday who had quit smoking. They were in the first two days, I think, or the first week after quitting smoking. Not only have they started the master, but they've also quit smoking at the same time. So they've replaced smoking with English, which I think is rather interesting. Maybe you might say to your partner or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband or wife or whoever, I wish that you wouldn't work late so often. Okay, they do work late, but you want them to change their behavior. Okay, I wish that you wouldn't work so late because I'd like to see you a little bit more. I never get to see you. I wish, so this is something I would definitely say if I was in the UK. I wish that it would stop raining already. My God, it's been raining all week. I wish that it would stop raining. 
So we use wish with would when we talk about other people or things that are doing something we don't like and we want them to change or we want that to change, like the weather being rainy or whatever. Okay. So a couple of set structures with wish. Um, I know that students have a lot of problems with wish. One way that I find really helpful is if you have a structure that you're not familiar with or you're really trying to master, okay, everybody learns differently. But one way that I find really helps me is writing short sentences with that structure over and over again and then repeating them out loud. Okay. Sometimes an oral method is great and that's what we practice and preach here. But if you're really trying to, for me, I like to see things written down. Okay? So I suggest if there's a structure like wish or whatever, I wish that you would, I wish that he would write it down, write the sentences down and then repeat it back to yourself a couple of times a day, once a day, minimum. Okay, it really, 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 really helps. Okay, um, any other questions here? You've sent me in some great questions, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna save them. I'm gonna bank them and come back and do another show next week on some of these other ones that I haven't got time to do now. Um, very quickly before the break, um, Mario, you said fed up. I use this as a verb as someone who irritates me, but maybe I'm not using correctly. Okay, fed up is not a verb it's an adjective to be fed up okay you can't fed up okay but you can be fed up so if you're using it as a verb you are using it incorrectly yeah you can be fed up of someone like i'm fed up of him oh my god he's so annoying i'm fed up of you okay so to be fed up is like you've had enough Okay, you're, you're, you're not interested in any more of their bad behavior, their annoying behavior. It's normally rather than necessarily somebody irritating you. It's like when somebody behaves really badly again and again and again and again, or they do the same thing and they don't change like a broken record. Okay. So fed up is not a verb. It's an adjective. Okay. Thank you very much. I'm finishing up now for today. I'm going to bank all of your lovely comments. Thank you for those of you that sent it in. Don't miss tomorrow's show, which is a live stream on Instagram. So you can watch the show live as I'm talking and engage with me and ask me questions and whatever you want. So don't miss that. Follow me on Instagram at I'm Anna Connolly and come and find me. And the live stream will be at 5 p.m. tomorrow. 5 p.m. Madrid time. 5 p.m. Madrid time. Okay. Okay. Leaving you with Kyle and Drive Time. See you tomorrow.
Baugan llevamos más de 40 años con la pasión de formar a los empleados, directivos, a ti. Llevamos el método Baugan a tu empresa a través de uno de nuestros profesores certificados Baugan, con clases dinámicas e intensas, con horarios 100% flexibles, o clases de inglés telefónicas para empresas. Su formato mixto entre conversación fluida y corrección con el método Baugan mejorará radicalmente el inglés de tus empleados con los horarios más complicados. Inmersiones lingüísticas totales en las que tus empleados, alejados de los problemas de la vida real, se centrarán exclusivamente en hablar en inglés durante todo el día en nuestro Baugan Town para empresas. O una nueva solución para aquellos colectivos que necesitan flexibilidad con respecto a la ubicación de los alumnos, a la vez que necesitan contacto regular con un profesor. Nuestras clases por videoconferencia para empresas. Y no olvides el máster para ejecutivos en el programa más exigente de Baugan. Infórmate en grupobaugan.com o llamando al 911335831. 911335831. Grupo Baugan. Más de 40 años encontrando soluciones. Y Company. Estimado Carlos, muchas gracias por su interesante mensaje. Trataré de contestarle. El nivel de inglés en España sigue siendo bajo, no solo entre los directores de tecnología, sino entre los directores generales, los directores financieros, los médicos, los ingenieros, los abogados, los políticos y todos los demás gremios, incluso los hoteleros. Cuando alguien nos pide inglés técnico, inglés financiero, Inglés para marketing, inglés para informática, inglés jurídico o inglés para cardiólogos, por poner ejemplos. En el 99% de los casos nos damos cuenta de que las personas en cuestión carecen de un decente dominio del inglés básico, tanto en lo auditivo como en lo hablado. No necesitan para nada estudiar el inglés de su área de especialización, ya que no pueden hilar frases normales en el inglés normal, y esto por culpa de un pobre dominio oral de la estructura básica del idioma. Tampoco poseen un nivel auditivo suficiente para entender los significados y matices propios del lenguaje normal. Y en los foros de comunicación profesionales, el 95% de todo lo que se dice es un inglés normal. Ni el 5% es el vocabulario típico o las expresiones propias del área de especialización. Por ello, decidimos hace muchos años no ofrecer Business English o Technical English, ya que no es lo que el alumno necesita. Podríamos, siendo algo hipócritas, ofrecer a bombo y platillo cursos de inglés para cada gremio o actividad profesional, sobre todo ante el hecho de que mucha gente nos lo pide. Sin embargo, no lo hacemos. Tratamos de convencerles de que su nivel de inglés exige un fuerte repaso estructural y un Baugentown para duplicar el oído. Business English o Technical English es un lujo para la inmensa mayoría de los profesionales en España. Es como darle colorete, rímel y pintalabios a alguien con seria necesidad de cirugía plástica. Podríamos hacerlo y ganar mucho dinero ofreciendo esta cosmética, ya que la piden, pero no me sentiría bien profesionalmente. Un saludo cordial. Listening to Vaughn Radio. 
in a small way, but in a, in a very big way, to be aware mm-hmm. of someone else. To be aware of someone mm-hmm. else. I mm-hmm. like that. It's so beautiful, isn't it? It's And it's not so easy to understand until you understand it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Being aware of someone else. People are normally not aware of someone else. That's it. And it's much more difficult not to be aware than to be aware. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Okay, here we go. See, this is a problem with Louise's. We always get into the, the real conversation. We get deep quickly. <laughs> That's why I feel so much peace, I guess, because you disconnect me of any superficial stuff. So this is, but this is very powerful. So being aware is easier mm. than not being aware, mm. but... How do you understand this? How does someone connect with that? I don't think we will begin by understanding it. We will begin by experiencing it. Okay. And then we will understand. Right. So for those who... So who's the person who will need to learn how to be aware? I don't think anybody needs to to learn to be aware, although everybody has to work on our own own resource we already know how to be aware mm-hmm. like if, if you see a, but what i mean is like what is that the typical person who you think oh he's not being aware and he needs to connect with this being aware who, who would yeah. be that kind of person that that comes to your mind as an example myself everybody <laughs> everybody I everybody know. we lost track of the present moment okay so being aware has to do with being in the present moment let me give you an example. I'm thinking my nephews, small kids. I've seen them grown. You've seen, you've also seen them growing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really um, amazed in how they were at the present moment. I remember taking them to the garden and just how they focused on the light shining in the leaves of a tree. And they could stare aware and then go to the next stimulus. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple, so into us. So being in the present, could you describe that? Being in the present. Let me change from a noun to a verb. Okay, Presence. like that. Presence. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's a, it's a yeah. verb. You, you listeners tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I, I much more prefer presence because present is like something close. That It's like making a picture. Uh, with the phone presence it's like it's like a like a, like an action no you are uh-huh. continuously press in, in searching not searching but receiving presence receiving mm-hmm. presence i hadn't mm-hmm. heard that before i like that receiving presence so um can you give us an example of that uh, in a practical mm-hmm. for example in my practice as a clinical psychologist when someone comes uh, i open my heart to listen to 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 whatever, whatever the, the person is bringing, mm-hmm. even if it, it's a problem, maybe it's a goal, maybe it's a suffering, mm-hmm. maybe it's an anxiety, and I receive it. Not just receive the, the complaint, but also receive the resources the person is bringing. Mm. You put your ears, you put your belly, yes. you put your heart to listen. Yes, your full body. Mm-hmm. Is present. Yep. Yes. Um, so, you know, when I hear you, I'm, I'm trying to think of what listeners could be thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, you're, you're a therapist. So in, in your case, and I identify with that feeling very much from a coach perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my ritual before any session is always with a, a 10 minute meditation uh-huh. um, to ground myself, to disconnect from where, wherever I was before and be connected with my inner self so that I can then be fully present when the other person so comes good. in. But I feel that 
you know, when you when you say this or I say this, people will say, well, of course, your job is to listen to other people. So you need to be present. Um, but what I've learned is that this being present is important for every single person in every aspect of your life. It's not just for a therapist or a coach or a listener who have, or, or a priest who listens to. Um, totally. Yeah. Um, how 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 does it change a person's life to be present in every moment? How does it change? Can you repeat? A person's life to be present. You live your life. <laughs> you live your life. Oh my God. And, and if you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, if you, it's amazing. This is like, it sounds, see, here's the mm. thing. I feel that presence is uh, something that people hear and they don't make it as important as it actually is. Because if you make presence a priority, yeah. you live your life. Yeah. And, as I was telling you, I don't you, have Twitter, but if I had, this would be like the tweet <laughs> of the conversation. Yeah. When you're present, you live your life. Yeah. Love it. That's, that's it. it. That's, that's it. it. So it's easy and, and sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's extremely beautiful. It's, it's, it's your life, but you're living it. Mm. You're not complaining about life. And if you see it from the gratefulness perspective, which I love gratefulness for, for me, presence is gratefulness. Gratefulness is gratitude. Gratitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you see it from that perspective, you are receiving the present you have, which is your life. That's the very, the very first. And Again? Maybe you, so when you... When you are present, when you allow yourself to be present, you are receiving life. You are receiving, receiving life. the best present you have, which is your own life. Yes. Yes. So um, you're, you're a psychologist. You're an expert in working with people who are not living their lives, but they're living their heads. <laughs> well, maybe patients are more living their lives. I mean, the patients normally are the ones who are confronting their own problems, which is being present, no? When ah, you, yeah. nice, yes, okay. When you find you have a problem and you want to confront it, you search for help. I mean, that's a, st a present step. Yes, I agree. Very nice. This is so real. Um, many people don't even see what's going on. And the, the fact alone that a person knows that something is wrong is acknowledging a presence. Yes. Um, in your case, uh, working with with patients, um, you do a very special kind of therapy, right? Can you tell us a little bit of what it is that you do? Yeah. Okay. Mm, let me think. What can I tell? <laughs> it's a very It's a very simple and complex. Well, thing. what I mean is, you have an approach that uh, for me is very special. Mm. If I had to recommend a therapist to anybody listening who would say, you know what? Actually, I'm also stuck, and I need to get out of this mm. uh, through through a therapy. Uh, the reason why your therapy is is special is a very human centric kind mm -hmm. of therapy. Yes. Uh, you you were telling me you you sometimes break the rules of traditional therapy into something that allows you to really work heart to heart with the patient. Um, mm, uh, but maybe maybe you want to explain it better. You are describing it great. You are describing it great. I would just change the the word break it. I don't feel I break the the rules, um, but evolve them. Uh -huh. like yesterday I was talking innovation. With, mm -hmm, it's innovation. <laughs> innovation. It's totally innovation. Yesterday. My bro one of my brothers was tell was talking to me about Picasso, how he changed his way of drawing to mm -hmm. to uh, cubism, cubismo, mm -hmm. and they they were t they were saying how he broke the rules, and I was just making the 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 reflection like maybe he wasn't not breaking the rules, but just evolving. 
No, he was right. a great painter before. I like that. There's a difference between breaking the rules and evolving and yeah. bringing innovation to a situation. It's yeah. more that than yeah. breaking the rules. Yeah. But it's true that sometimes to innovate, you need to break the rules, right? Yeah. It's the feeling of breaking the rules is 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 there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> doesn't uh, matter. It's not. No, no, it's no, no, not. No. Let, the, me, <laughs> let me tell you. Let me. T- I, I love. You know. Now a lot of people talk about. Please wants to be very far from me. Oh, but the problem is we have the Facebook video Hello, here, Facebook. so I need you a little closer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, for example, now we listen a lot about going out of your comfort zone, which mm-hmm. will be breaking the rules. Yes, I much much prefer growing the comfort zone. Making it bigger, mm. it relaxes me much more. Yeah, it, relax, it relaxes much more when I'm working with someone else. When I, I see them, no, oh, I don't have to break me, or I have, or I don't have to even to change. Is myself. there something wrong with breaking the rules? I hear like you don't like that word, and I feel like breaking the rules is a brave thing to do. Like I, I identify it with brave people. That's why I used that word. Probably uh-huh. in your case, maybe breaking the rules sounds more like something you shouldn't do. <laughs> I mean that's the rebel point, and it's necessary. Mm. It's totally necessary. Mm. Um, if the rules are constraining, are against constraining. Human, yeah, he, he has such a great English. This, <laughs> this is such a great English. I have to point it out. Really, this is this is a radio to learn English when the rules are constraining. Uh, yeah. Isn't this like a poet speaking on the radio? <laughs> You are fantastic. So constraining no <laughs> for people who don't, you don't have an answer <laughs> with your lovely language. I can't imagine. So constraining, um, te comprimen, ¿no? Como son normas mm-hmm. que, que, ¿cuál sería la palabra en español? Constrain, te, te, te aprietan, te, eh, no, sí, eso, te aprietan, que no te deja respirar, ¿no? Te dejan, ¿no? Constraining. Sí, sí. So, te encasillan. Sorry, te encasillan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, constraining and, uh, um, or for example, no, I'm, I'm very concerned about the LGBT and women rights. Like if the rules of a company are constraining the, the women rights or the LGBT community or mm. any other population which is constrained, of course, we need to fight with that with compassion. I mean, we can understand the one with whom we are fighting against. Right. I mean, yeah, we have, uh, we have to fight. We have to mm, broad make broader rules yes. rules that 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 accept us that make renovate us, yeah. the rules too right yeah. so uh, going back to your therapy uh-huh. which i was saying that uh, was breaking the rules and then we decided that that was not the right word we're going to say it's an innova innovative innovative way of uh doing therapy um a human centric yeah. uh very focused on the patient Yeah. Um, what do you bring to your therapy that uh, you think is is unique to you? Unique to me? I don't. I don't know if it's unique to me, but uh, probably yes. Everybody has its own talents, its own way of reading and observing things. No, I, I do believe that we all have our own light. No, mm-hmm. it shines totally different from someone else's. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's shining all the time. Maybe it's very difficult to define it. What I think it makes me do a great job in the sense that we both, patient and me, really enjoy it, really make a transformation. Mm. First of all, for me, it's the presence, what we were talking. Mm. It's the presence. And let me say, tell you something about our the first part of the conversation. Presence, I don't believe it's learned, but mm-hmm. it's allowed. Okay. And to so allow... Presence it, is not learned, it's allowed. It's allowed. 
you allow your presence. Okay. Sometimes I, 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 normally I do like you, or I go to walk to the park, or I do meditation, or do something to center myself so that I can receive properly to the patient. But sometimes I feel awful. Sometimes mm. I've, I've had a bad day, mm. and even if I do meditation, it doesn't yes. work. Yeah. Or even totally. like that. And what I tell to myself in those cases is like, right, that's you now. So be with, be with you, with the other person, and it works. Yes. It works amazingly. So being present not only with the other person, but with yourself. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's it. powerful. That's it. I like that. As you are, not, mm. not as you have to be or as you wish to be. No. So don't have like an internal fight. That's it. So la, la, la lucha mm. interior, no? Sí. We don't want that internal fight. We want to just see what is and go with it. Yep. No? That's go. it. Aceptarlo, ¿no? That's it. De una That's manera. It. And to allow, you have to work. Mm. You have to work. You have to practice. That's it. So I feel that allowing is something that, um, what would I say? Again, my, my masterpiece, I'm going to call you <laughs> master of peace is Luis Anzimán. But it's true. There's something that brings you a lot of inner peace is that concept of allowing yourself yeah. to be. Yeah. And and sometimes it's easy because you're feeling great. So you look at yourself, you're like, oh, I'm awesome. But other times there's something going on inside and then we want to get rid of it and we're struggling with it. And then there's this tension inside of you so that when you interact with the others, you're taking that tension to that interaction as well. Not if you are aware. Exactly. So mm -hmm. how... How do we contact with that being aware of, of our, of, of who we are right now? You know, like that, that is, I think we don't do that normally. People don't stop and think, well, what am I feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm having like an internal tension here. I should accept it. We, what, what is the best way to connect with that? To do it with love. To do it with love. <laughs> so to love yourself. Yeah. Like okay, start the, the, the path, do your journey. And first of all, first step, do it with love. If you need help, search for help. Mm. If you need a friend, call a friend. If you need a therapist, a coach, call mm. them. Mm. Find for the best one for you. Mm. And then begin the, begin the journey. Yes. Like, look